Hello, everybody. It's me, Bob Mackey, for one of.com's Retronauts for a special non-numbered uh, Classic Gaming Expo 2012 episode. And today I'm here with the gang from Retroware.tv. Let me introduce them. Actually, I'll let them introduce themselves. Who's to my left? Joey DeSena. Awesome. Joey, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> I work uh, as the director of operations for Retroware, and uh, also I'm the creator of the 16-Bit Gems uh, web series. Nice, and we have linked to uh, one of your videos, at least on 1up.com, your history of uh, RPGs, right? Yes, you have, and I thank you for it. Awesome, I enjoyed it very much. Who do we have also here? Uh, I'm John D'Elia, I am uh, one of the originators of Retroware TV, and uh, the COO of Retroware TV. Nice. Who else do we have? I'm Pat Contry. I'm the director of content at Retro TV, and I also have a Pat NES Punk show where I review NES games, and I'm also one of the premier NES collectors probably in the country. Nice. You're throwing down the gauntlet. I <laughs> <laughs> Who else do we have? I'm, I'm Norman Caruso. I'm the uh, editor slash administrator of user content on RetroWare, and I also have my own show, The Gaming Historian, where it's a series about the history of video games and certain events. Nice. Video games. Awesome. So yes, we are all interested in retro games. We're all here at the uh, Retro Gaming Convention, people. Yeah. And this is a very loosely structured episode. I'm not walking into it with any sort of agenda. Uh, I want to know from you guys, basically, uh, what is the coolest thing you've seen so far today at the show? And uh, I won't start with myself because I need to think about that. So I'm going to unfairly throw <laughs> throw the uh, the mic to somebody I'll who... Start. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I love the... Um, they had it at E3 as well. They had the, the Video Game History Museum. Um, yes, please. And it's it's unimaginable how a few people have amassed this range of stuff that's worth literally hundreds of thousands of dollars combined. And they have something called the Atari Cosmos, which was a prototype uh, Atari tabletop 3D hologram. Throw them all in there, uh, you know, system. Do we know, like, a sort of, like, time frame for when this came out? It or? was about 82, okay. I believe. 82, yeah, and, and supposedly there's there's a few prototypes, and this is one of the prototypes, Supposedly there's one working prototype, and you can buy, even on eBay, you can buy like some of the cards that they actually produce these cards. One of the games is supposed to be Superman to put in there, and it's like one of those holograph, like multicolor things where you shift it and the light shifts, you know? Oh, nice. And so, but supposedly one of these worked, but there's one of the prototypes here with the prototype box, and that should be under like arm guard as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. I don't know how they have it on the, it's always wide open. It's wide open. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised at the, touch it, at the lack of security, <laughs> and awesome. uh, the one thing about having games on display is that games are meant to be played. So the, uh, what's it called, uh, Computer Space or Space Wars? Space, Space Wars. Wars. Space Wars. Uh, that is on display, and I thought it was playable because it's just sitting out there. So I hit a button and nothing was happening. I was like, oh, I probably should be touching this, should I? <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the guy that owns that, and I saw him here, he actually works for NASA. Oh. Actually. I don't know his name. I met him at MAGFest. Um, yes. so I'm just going to throw that out there randomly. Nice. Work. Yeah, so that's actually work. a good topic because I was wandering through that section too, and I was like, I thought I knew about retro gaming. I know nothing. There is a, a, a game system that plays 8-track tapes. We saw that. that. Is, we uh, saw that. Yeah. yeah, and it's a, like a trivia game, sort of. I was it's like, a, like, make the game show come real in your living room. Right, and <laughs> the box is huge. The box is I can't imagine what the 70s home entertainment was like. figure out if it was supposed to just play audio, like you hear, like, like Wink Martindale talk to you, or if it was actually a, a program. It could have loaded, it, but back then, tape games, sometimes, like on the computer release, it would take, like, 10, 15 minutes to load oh, the yeah. game up. Yeah. Which was ridiculous. So well, you, gotta, sure. you, you gotta think in the late '70s there were so many consoles. I mean, there's probably tons that we still don't know about. Yeah, whatever Sears made. <laughs> yeah. and what's amazing to me is that virtually that entire collection is owned by three guys. The mm -hmm. three guys who also who happen to run the Video Game History Museum and also the Classic Gaming Expo, and they've just amassed this amazing collection of not just 
games and consoles, but all sorts of video game paraphernalia, like Atari inventor's notebooks mm-hmm. yeah. from throughout the I did history. see those, and those are mis- like miraculously not under watch. You could just flip through the pages yeah, of yeah. the engineer's notebooks and you know look at their notes on different games that you've yeah, play- probably played. Guys, I mean, the guys who run the show, there's uh, Joe Santulli, uh, Sean Kelly, and, uh, John, and John Hardy, and they, they're fantastic guys. They're always very friendly. They love talking to everybody who's there. I mean, mm-hmm. they really, this is a labor of love for them. And uh, the, this collection is a, is a recent thing, correct? I, I, I just heard about it at the last PAX. I, I got a postcard. They had a tiny booth there. Sort of like, well, here's what we want to do. Here's some examples of what things will yeah. be on display. Well, yeah. Digital Press well, well, website has been around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Joe yeah. Well, they've That's been collecting right. for, all three of them have been collecting for at least 15 years. Oh, yeah. Long years. Time. Right. But the, the formal museum as it is that's now, that's a, that's a they new... They had a Kickstarter. Yeah, they had to raise money year. to keep it open and running and... Right. Well, the Kickstarter is to get money in order to actually, I guess, get investment to actually do a brick and mortar. And I think they're going to do it in, I think, the San Jose yeah. area. That's the plan. Yeah, close to the source. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad this is happening because it seems like there are very few, you know, these sort of like museums that will take these pieces of history. I know um, 1up.com recently had to get rid of a lot of things because we moved to IGN's office. They don't have room for a lot of our games. So we donated most of our game library to the Museum of Play. Mm-hmm. And, yes. um, they seem to enjoy that because uh, who else would want all those bad PS2 games? <laughs> I mean, can't yeah, give away. When we were at PAX East, uh, I mean, Joey and I, we, we focused purely on the retro gaming when we went out there. You know, talking to a couple of guys like Joe, as well as uh, as Gary Vincent, who runs the Unspot uh, American Classic Arcade Museum. And it seems like there's there's this great rise of appreciation not only for the playing of the games, but the the, the preservation of the between Joe Santulli's efforts and the efforts of uh, those over at Fun Spot in New Hampshire, they're taking arcades and and console games and just and just making sure that people look at them in the, in the light that we think. I think all of us as fans think that it should really be shown. And what really warms my heart, as as corny as that might sound, <laughs> but you know, you have these guys; they have consoles out, these old consoles, so anyone can come up and play them. When you have a ten-year-old kid coming out and playing Super Mario Kart or or something like that, you know, a game that didn't you know? He came. He was born like ten years after this game right. originally came out. That's and it's, it's still fun to them. And then it well kind of validates that my rose-colored glasses of the no. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't want to be schmaltzy, but it's great to see you know little kids getting totally psyched about playing games that I played when I was a kid. It's just like, oh, this is this is kind of timeless, isn't it? You know. Yeah. I saw a ten-year-old buy a Sega CD too today. Oh my god! And it's amazing. <laughs> and he's telling his dad, "Oh yeah, this game is good. Echo the Dolphin has these differences. I played it on my emulator, but at least he's buying the system." But it's all like maybe for that part, the emulation is good. Like little little play that is yeah. the, <laughs> the number one Sewer Shark fan is just coming into existence. Well, well, on Retroware, one of our main target audiences, they're teenagers, like teenage kids. Yeah, amazingly, yeah. I don't even think we we never really originally we didn't think target a specific group and just see who was interested but yeah a lot of teenagers most of our audience is young yeah young teenagers it's like I grew up I remember when my big brother introduced me to the Playstation 2 and I'm like oh my god yeah I also wonder if virtual console for it's all that's good and ill is uh I know that's a like the <laughs> National pass. Virtual Oh yeah, we, we can't we can't get let an episode pass. Okay, wait. Okay, where's well, Yoshi's we Island? This week. Yeah. Oh, nothing. Uh, also, still no Yoshi's Island. Okay, we can continue now. <laughs> but even in its somewhat you know hacked form, maybe that's also helping you know new generation just rediscover these old games. Yeah, I mean it's a sort of. Uh, Less realistic view of what gaming was back then. You know, certain things aren't available as we as we complain about every week. But uh, 
it's still it's still a way for these kids to play these games that wasn't that wasn't available before the Wii, you know, before this generation. It's not just that. It's, it's the fact that uh, it's, the, it's the internet. It's YouTube. You can find gameplay footage of all, probably almost every single game, popular game that came out. Yeah, it's on YouTube. that's true. So you, you can have these kids search for, say, Super Mario Bros. 3 because they heard about it, and they'll just fall into these other games they never even heard of. From that, they'd be, wow, this is something I want to discover. And, yeah. and hence, you have 10-year-olds buying systems that came out 10 years before they were even born. I, I have to say God bless everyone who's putting things on YouTube that I don't have to play. I can just watch. <laughs> Especially, I mean, we just talked. I mean, I was doing video segments for you guys talking about Sierra Adventure games. I'm so happy I don't have to play those games. I can watch them. Someone else had to suffer, not me. Or but they're still fun to watch. Or Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, my God. Like Game Center CX. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is more satisfying than watching a game you couldn't finish be finished by someone. It's just like, okay, it's possible. I, it's not me, but I, I, I have some sort of sense of closure now, you know? Yeah. Howard Phillips actually brought that up today uh, in his panel when he said that doesn't like the fact that all these games today can be finished and that's exactly what I think probably most of us feel that there's, yeah. no, there's no sense of accomplishment if you can do something that everyone else can do no I totally agree with that I mean I just uh, I don't know within the last six months or so uh, I, I, I pointed out how Demon's Souls sorry not Demon's Souls Dark Souls is, is, is a modern 8-bit game I mean there are some concessions to sort of modern expectations but you not everyone is going to finish that game not everyone is going to go into it being able to finish that game that's why I sort of respect it and that's why I connected with what he was saying and I I want to know like I, I really should have asked Howard Phillips what games do you play now do you still play games I mean he said he claimed to have finished every Nintendo game that passed by his watch in his reign at Nintendo and by the way Howard Phillips was sort of the everyman at Nintendo he did everything he did everything. He was a comic book character. He tested games. He warehouse bugged. guy. Yeah, he, he ran the warehouse. In case you don't know who we were talking about, it's Hard Phillips. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to know, like, what, what do you play today? I, I don't. Did you guys ask him that or no? We did not. Okay. <laughs> we we failed. Yeah. <laughs> Track we were, him down. We were just amazed that he was here being interviewed by us. Yeah, like, it was surreal. In our hotel room. It was absolutely <laughs> surreal. And that he said the words TurboGrafx-16. Yeah, to, to hear him talk about the, like. <laughs> Competition between the Genesis and TurboGrafx-16. I'm just like, wow. He did he uh, did he spit after he said TurboGrafx-16? <laughs> yeah, well, well, on the floor. He's a very hateful. He, he just said he <laughs> forgot how to pronounce it. I think that uh, we all love the TurboGrafx-16. Oh yeah. Actually, I, like, yeah. I don't know how to spell TurboGrafx-16 without a reference. <laughs> Whenever I'm writing about it, I was like, is there an I? Is there just an X? Okay. Is it intercapped? I don't know. <laughs> Where's the hyphen go? Too complicated. But we we did ask him. Like initially, he worked on. The arcade games coming into the warehouse in Nintendo, we asked him, okay, what was your favorite that came in? Because he, you gotta think, he was the, probably one of the first people to ever play the North American version of a Japanese arcade game, like Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey right. Kong 3, Radar Scope. And so we asked him, what was your favorite? And he said he liked Donkey Kong 3 a lot. That's amazing, because from <laughs> what I've read and what I've played, I mean, isn't it sort of a radar take on Radar Scope? Just the way it plays? It's a shooter. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a shooter. It's a, yeah. How'd you describe I, it, Norman? I, I actually did a video on Donkey Kong 3, because it's my favorite. And it's like Galaga with Donkey Kong just thrown together. But with more ass-based uh, games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ass-based? Yeah, you shoot Donkey Kong in the ass with bug spray. But... <laughs> that is so undignified. That's, after, that's after... why I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Stan, Stan Lee was so embarrassed he had to retire from video games after that. It's game. his only game. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh. yeah, he, he, was, he had a Game & Watch game, but yeah. Yeah, he popped up the Smash Brothers. He's just hiding his face. <laughs> One thing about CG that I really like, and I remember from 07 too, is that they always introduce new homebrew games for, for yeah. consoles. I mean, they put out the never released Good Luck Charlie Brown for the VCS today. And yes. I mean, it, just the fact that people are continuing these systems as if they're still new today by 
either bringing back the games that never made it all the way through development or they're just reoffering and you know sorry to interrupt we we heard about that that charlie brown game and they were describing the gameplay and it was like the weirdest, yeah, so the weirdest game. About yeah, I guess you're Charlie Brown and you're flying through the air and you're shouting "Good grief!" down <laughs> at enemies on the ground. That's like, my favorite part. That's match. that's what the so game is. So it was is. like uh, Parodius of its time or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you hear that and you're like, I'm okay, sorry, that's pretty maybe obscure. that's why <laughs> it never got published. Like walking slowly on crossing, on crossing your leg. Like <laughs> <laughs> what was it? The other the other Charlie Brown game where you're, you're flying the kite, and that was another. Uh, Prototype, I think that never came out. That they reproduced that as well. Strange I guess, amount of Charlie Brown games that didn't come out. I guess Charlie Brown just couldn't make it on the Atari for whatever reason. <sighs> so were there? To buy this Purina Chase the Chuck Wagon game. <laughs> yeah. No room for Kool Aid Man. Pepsi Invaders. <laughs> so any other highlights of the uh, the sort of mu- the museum that was happening uh, on the show floor? Museum wise, I love how these guys have. You know, if a if a company starts to go under like a ended up pulling in all of their awards and that yeah. is great did you yeah see that? they had like all yeah. the they did GM awards at all the uh, plaques in the plaques yeah it's like uh, congratulations acclaim for selling like this many copies of this game that's pretty bad you know <laughs> just like they still well, get an award for it they had a framed they had a framed version of their annual report from like 1996 <laughs> and I was like of course they framed it it was probably the last time they wanted to frame it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is amazing. I just wonder, like, uh, how did they get that? I mean, I'm sure Acclaim just sold everything that was in their offices when they went yeah, under or something like that. Collectors, man. Yeah. It's all about who you know. I mean, for these, there's, there's certain collectors that have tons of prototypes, and it's legwork. It's finding out who's to work for the company. They're finding out who's to program. And a lot of these guys, when, when these companies would fold up, up like Sunsoft, they would just take a box of prototypes. Which the guy selling the Atari stuff today yeah. uh, at that one booth. Oh, yeah. got, got a bunch of new old stock. The guy has, like, ten brand new, you know, Atari Lynxes. He has... Un- unfolded or folded up Jaguar boxes and Jaguar CD system boxes. Oh yeah, I saw the, that booth is amazing. It just like yeah. the Lynx came out yesterday. It looks like yeah, yeah. He, he has, has every full stock. Yeah. If you want a whole Lynx collection, you can go to this guy and get an entire Atari Lynx yeah, collection. We bought some Lynx stuff. He gave it to us in an Atari service bag. Oh my god! From like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, it's incredible. So, uh, anything else interesting aside from the museum? I guess I can go. Uh, I, I really yeah, like... Anyway. Sorry, I'm just like pushing this off on everyone else. Like, uh, I really like seeing the... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they probably done this in the past, but I like seeing the Nintendo World Championship 1990 and the Campus Challenge 91 Dual on display. Cool, yeah, yeah uh, basically if you guys aren't here, and most of you probably aren't who are listening, uh, you, if you want to, you can participate. You can play the uh, both the 90 Challenge and the 91 Campus Challenge. They combine your scores and they enter in the uh, the grand ranking, and I guess you can win something like a trophy. I forget what what is the Actually, prize. It's a pretty sweet trophy. Yeah, it's it's got a like a gold uh, plastic whatever. That, yeah, uh, <laughs> gold. Gold spray paint coated on top of a trophy. That's right. Yeah. And I thought it was a facsimile of the original uh, trophy, but actually, it's much more interesting looking than the original trophies. Well, uh, the we original. Have the, we have the preeminent NWC guy here too. Yeah. Uh, well, Pat. Yeah, Pat can tell us about how un- underwhelming the cartridge. Surprise! <laughs> 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 Please do. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I own at least one Nintendo World Championship card. And oh my God, get them! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they, ransom. they don't look that great. The ones using the competition, um, they're all individually numbered. Uh, they at least go into the 300s because they were touring all over the US so and they were setting up like dozens of machines at a time so ones probably broke down the, the cars because they were all hand soldered or ones you know were destroyed hmm. so but amazingly almost all of them look awful because the label like just 
there's white labels and there's bleed through, like black dots on most of them. But they look, but I mean, I still think it's fantastic. It's yeah, they look lot. very unprofessionally made. Just like yeah. they just slapped and on a label. They literally, they literally took an exacto knife, like cut out the plastic. the plastic. Yeah, they <laughs> dremeled, dremeled it. It looks better than the gold one. I don't like how the gold one looks. Have you guys played? I mean, uh, I can explain if if you haven't seen these cards. Uh, one is uh, the ninety uh, championship cart, and you play Mario, get fifty coins. You play a stage in Rad Racer, and you basically play Tetris for uh, the remaining time. And that, and that, from what I hear, is where you get all of your points. Yes. I am sadly yeah. in the one hundred thousands range, which is well below the uh, championship. Not, that's not gonna do yeah, it. I went no, to, that won't do. I got to go to the Nintendo World Championships in nineteen ninety. Very cool. Took me there. <laughs> my fondest memory was it was not the fact that I almost made it to the out of the initial round because I totally died in Tetris, but it was that they let you stand in line and play all of those games that hadn't come out yet, and they're all in those early prototype stages. I just remember playing like waiting in line for twenty five minutes, waiting to play five minutes of Castlevania three, which was an wow. But the best part about Castlevania three is that it was at the stage where nothing on screen can harm you except for the bats. Oh. Flying by. So you could just be harmed airborne, but otherwise you just got free reign until the damn thing stops. So nice. you only got five minutes. Basically like you were living the wizard. It was. Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Woods. It was like California. Good magic cold, powers. Cold <laughs> yes. Yeah, I never actually got to go to the original. I mean, I was, I was old enough to go, but I mean, like, I, I just, I guess I didn't know about it. It was in Cleveland. I was like yeah. 90 minutes away. But damn you, I could have. <laughs> uh, I have vivid memories of this thing. I was ten. It was oh man, that, that's a life-changing moment. Uh, I'm not being sarcastic. I, I'm serious. I wish I wish I would could have went. And then there was the campus challenge, which I mentioned earlier. Which yeah. it seemed weird. It's just like the colleges. Yeah, yeah it's just like college. college seemed much tamer, much more innocent back then. If they were like, "Hey, play Dr. Mario, college kids, have fun." Uh, but yeah, it was um, it was Mario three. It was get a certain amount of coins in Mario three. And then it was um, Pinbot of all things. We were talking about that. Like, why Pinbot? That's, I don't know. That's the, the most random selection. Yeah, I was like, I've never. Yeah. Well, the Snake Rattle rule was taken. Oh my god. Was most Pinbot? Was that a rare? I think it was rare, but like first, like published by Nintendo. That's why. Yeah. But that's just strange because that's not a game that a lot of people have. Maybe they were like college kids, like Pinball, right? This is 1960. I don't know. And then the third, the third one was oh, Doctor Mario. I am terrible, Doctor Mario. So I totally whiffed that. And yeah, so apparently there was a Campus Challenge '92, but I didn't look up what was on that. They didn't have that here. But, uh, there was one that's the Super Nintendo games. There's there one Super Nintendo. Yeah, I know there's one with like Star yep. Fox or something like that. Yes, on it Pilot and, uh, Wings um, as part of it. And I don't know the other two off the top of my head for the Campus Challenge. Well, there was also the there were separately there were the, like the Donkey Kong Challenge. Yeah. Well, competition card, competition card, Star Fox, Star Fox. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which which are also in the history music. I'm surprised no one sells. Them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> those are valuable. So yeah, I mean that, that's what I mean. That's what the most interesting thing to me, at least at the at the convention, has been that so far. Just I, I mean, I've had the I've had the capacity to download the ROMs and play them, but I think the fact that they're now again in a competition sort of context makes them more interesting now, uh, to me. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to win I'm <laughs> ever, but uh, I like the fact that I I'm a part of this and I wasn't part of it before. Yeah, I, it brings back the original purpose of these games, which was people to play them and have fun, not hoard them on a shelf and. Trade them around for tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I don't know why George's looking at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're all looking at pets. I think we all kind of hoard them a little bit. <laughs> you hoard because you love. That's what I say when it comes to games. So I guess we have nothing more to add about uh, the championship slash campus challenge cards. Well, I mean, we haven't really had a chance to play well, them the repros yet. that are out there are actually yeah, fun the, repros. the repros are a great way yeah. to experience, even with the dip switches and everything. That they yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, for uh, about fifty dollars. 
yeah. you can get the repro? You can pretend you have the real thing. Do they have those here? Or no? No, you can buy them on uh, it's retro USB. Retro retro USB. Yeah, they make the reproduction cards. They okay. they make a lot of reproduction cards. I was surprised I didn't see those here. I mean, there's a legal yeah. sketchy area that you know yeah. uh, that it, they exist in, but I was surprised not to see any of those here yeah, they were at the convention. Bad. I was surprised retro USB wasn't here because they're always bringing out the new NES homebrew, those flash cards that you well, can throw it, on all the ROMs. Yeah, and that's I was actually talking to somebody about that yesterday. He they make um, what's called a power pack where you can load every emulator for the NES or Super Nintendo and you can play it on the actual system and he, uh, I guess that's his best seller oh and yeah of oh, course sure. and they have one for Super Nintendo <laughs> you throw a compact flash card on and, and out there you can find an N64 version just about every system from the late 80s to mid 90s has a flash card this, at this point Turbo Graphics has one and we were always talking I mean we've been talking about that a lot it's like there's always that, com- that discussion about whether or not emulation is something you should have but you know to some degree it's a that it exists to help preserve. It's an archive. Yeah, it's yeah. an archive. I mean, eventually things wear out and to just have it continue on. I mean, to and that degree, efficiency is interesting. From Joe Santuli, who is one of the CGE guys, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I haven't, no. Uh, he had a great, he was on a great panel at PAX East this year talking about the preservation of these video yeah. games and how back in the 80s, you know, Activision, a lot of these companies, they didn't think about preservation. That was the last thing we were yeah. And so you have like source code that's gone forever because oh, yeah. no one kept up with it. Bit rot creeps in. They're kept in horrible conditions. Yeah. And even today, like especially with Japanese companies, not to single them out, um, they're getting better recently. But even in the late '90s, source code, you know, yeah. ke- keeping that around was a, still a problem. Right. So yeah, yeah, anyone who works in any company sees how sometimes things are not kept in the proper <laughs> way. <laughs> Just imagine yeah. a video game. But I mean, uh, like I think ultimately I would not be hosting this show or be writing my video games if not for the endless boring summers where I had nothing to do but play with emulators and just the experience <laughs> and learn about all these games I couldn't yeah. play as a kid. So oh, sure. in that I, sense, yeah, they're very, very valuable. Yeah, you're a 15-year-old kid. Uh, what's easier? You're going to go out to a store, spend hundreds of dollars to get like 15, 20 games or you know, download an emulator, get some ROMs and you know, rediscover games you never... You know, could play before, especially like Japanese games. I mean, sure, those yeah. those were not easily available. You know, or or sure. even the the super rare games. Oh like yeah, the ones that are ones worth a lot of money, but you, you want to play, like NWC. Like I want to give someone money yeah, for this, exactly. but they're not around. Yeah, Earthbound. Earthbound. Oh yeah, I was, I was gonna well, say that. I had to. Remember about the same age? I remember college was like when the emulators started to get really big, and like people, would, some games just seemed to be rediscovered at that point. Like, yeah. Sure. Well, and then you also had the well, we're getting a little far afield, but the. Uh, fan translations and things like that. Oh, yeah. I remember that the fan incredible. translation of Final Fantasy V was the first time I played that. And I was... Oh, yeah, same here. Yeah. Eyes. It was crazy. Past ROMs, sure. Yeah. yeah. I did that for Fire Pro Wrestling uh, for, uh, X Premium for uh, Super Nintendo. It was amazing. It's like the best wrestling game I've ever played. Yeah. You know? Just having other people putting it's that like effort in. People going back and correcting history like, no, you should have brought this game over. I'll help you. You know, yeah. do that. Mother 3. Oh, yeah, yeah so definitely. The Mother 3 translation is incredible. Very yeah. good. There's a... I mean... They did so much for that. They did. Yeah, it's incredible. incredible. I always prop up the police knots translation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Yeah, still Great. The, the most astounding one to me is the BS Zelda, the the one that was on the Satellaview. Mm, okay. Uh, that was you know this downloadable service in Japan in the nineties, and you could play. There were four versions, some mini Zelda games that included like sixteen bit versions of the original did Zelda. Did they complete the whole thing? Did they yeah. put out a whole version? Yeah, and so this group found a ROM that was downloaded, and they took them about a decade to finish it but yeah. they they have it out there and you can actually play 
DS Zelda in English wow. today emulated, of course, because yeah, he didn't play it doesn't exist in physical form. Yeah, there's there's no way there's literally no way to play it now. Yeah. It's except for emulation. And Nintendo's not gonna release that. No. <laughs> and of course, you're not bringing it up because someone may have done a review of those games. <laughs> no, you're not bringing that up at all. No, so I never made a police. You'll never want to Google that ever. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so yeah, we have we have the okay. We talked about the museum. We talked about the uh, the competitive carts. Anything else that sort of caught your eye at uh, at the con so far? Well, it's always fun to see the like luminaries of video games. I mean, That's true. Yeah, Keith yeah. Robinson from Intellivision. Uh, we were talking about Howard Phillips from Nintendo. Which God. I'm usually professional meeting these guys, even him at the I'm like, I, 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 you know, I used to, yeah. you know, I'm like shaking his hand. I like, Shed Power. <laughs> yeah, anyone who does not know who Howard Phillips is, if you have ever read an old Nintendo Power, he is Howard from Howard Investor. He he's, was he was the face of Nintendo for like seven years. The guy with the bow tie, basically. Yeah, I mean, yes. You know who you know who that is. But yeah, what what astounds me is the fact that these are very 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 approachable people. Yeah, like David I was, Crane. David oh yeah, David Crane. Crane. Yeah, they they love to talk about. Uh, I guess they like people days, care so. about it. I yeah, guess. I mean, like Howard Phillips could very well be like, "That's in the past. I'm this guy now." But he, you could tell that that was a great time in his life, and he just loved being there, even though he seemed to be wearing like nine million different hats. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he did that job. I just like he couldn't have slept. Oh when Nintendo yeah. of America was basically like five people, right? Know? Yeah, he loved video games. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why he succeeded there. Yeah, because he he was the youngest guy that worked there, and he played all the games that came in. And he told Mr. Arakawa, this game's good, this game's good, this is why I like this game. I mean, he was like research and development, he was like the tester, I mean, he, was the game he put master. he put together know. arcade cabinet, yeah, he did everything. His official title was Game Master, right? Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. his business cards. Yep. <laughs> can't leverage that skill to like another job, it's like, we're looking for a Game Master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've already hired sense. Captain N, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, the position is fulfilled. Uh, so, uh, if the, you guys have anything else to add about the con, I just wanted to break it down to like sort of a general discussion, maybe to wrap up. Um, anything else about Classic Gaming Expo? I'm having a good time. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, there's a few expos. That it's most of our first. John went in 2007. Yeah, but I think everyone else, this is our first. This time is our here. first. Yeah. So. As someone who has to go to conventions for work, uh, this is great because it's in one room, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean it's in Vegas, and that's this is not really my kind of place. Uh, sorry, Vegas, but um, <laughs> I find it in general pretty agreeable, and I'm not stressed out, and I'm surrounded by things that I love. So I, I like Class Gaming Expo. I totally recommend yeah. it if you can come here. And I do want to mention uh, Pat and I went to the Pinball Hall of Fame, oh, that was which, awesome. which is in, which is in Las Vegas, and it's very cool. We should oh. check it out. Yeah, okay, you like pinball at all? That's a whole other podcast. I mean, I love pinball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We haven't done one, a pinball one yet, actually. Oh my so gosh, man. that will require a lot of research. But yeah, it was very cool. If I had extra time, I'd definitely go there. Yeah. So I guess I want to sort of uh, we're done talking about the convention. Break it down before we go with you guys. Like, I want to hear from each of you why you think retro gaming is important. Because I mean, from my perspective, I feel that the industry is too focused on the now. And not just the now, the now and in the future. And then as soon as something comes out, we forget about it. Even something like as close as a year ago, we forget about I think. And the fact that our modern systems are not being backwards compatible as they should be, is we're losing a lot of the history. I mean, even the PS2 era, so many great games that people just don't know about or can't play anymore because of the whole backwards compatibility issue. Um, so I want to hear from you guys, each of you, like why you think retro gaming is important, why you think what you do is important. I'm, talking, I'm, basically, I'm basically saying justify what your, your life right now and your, all of your <laughs> oh decisions. Um, I mean, like, like I, if, I, if I could, I would I'd be doing what now you guys are doing. Now we're going to think about why we do this. Yeah. <laughs> why are we here? Like, 
if I had my druthers, I would write about nothing but retro games. Well, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I don't have that luxury. And I mean, you guys have, you know, this is your side job. So, yeah. I mean, so basically, I mean, what is it about retro games that interests you? And why, why do you talk about them? Why do you devote so much of your free time to, you know, making videos, mm-hmm. podcasts, and so on about retro games? Well, first off, you hit it really well with this is, this is our history. This is a history of our hobby that's been going on for, at least in the home market, 20, or sorry, 40 years now. Um, and and if you don't help preserve and and keep the you know knowledge of these games alive and by educating uh, not only people from our generation but younger generations, it's gonna die out. Um, and so why does that matter? That's the second part of the question. These these are very important games. Uh, these are you know what has developed and and shaped the industry today. You know. Modern RPGs uh, on consoles, where they come from, Ultima 3, essentially, right. amongst other things, uh, leading up to Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy. You know, and you can learn so many lessons from those early games and how they've evolved and maybe if there's certain problems with uh, a genre now. I'm, again, talking RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe like look back and see, well, maybe they should go back to this or they should try something new. You can see where people, you know, a genre or a certain game developer, or whatever, got in a rut. You know, it, it's very informative for all sorts of, I don't know, video game studies, if you will. No, I agree. Uh, if I could butt in, like, just even even playing games. Sometimes I'll play a game. There'll be a huge, just fundamental problem with the game design. Like, haven't you played this? Haven't you seen this? I mean, this was like no. twelve years ago or whatever. And you mentioned about RPGs. It's like the fact that random encounters are still a thing. It's like you haven't you played Earthbound? Yeah. <laughs> haven't hasn't anyone played Earthbound? They 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 solved that problem in 1995. But no, no one has played Earthbound. Well, not the right people, I guess. Apparently. John, please continue. Well, for me, I mean, I, I look at video games as you know, like a like literature or a good album. I mean, it's a viable medium, and and over the years, I think it's become more apparent that it actually is a viable medium, and it's beginning to get that respect. I mean, they they teach. Uh, history courses in video games. I mean, I mean, NYU has a grad program in game criticism and creation, and, and I think that there is a need for people to go back and take that critical approach, and, and what we try to do, go back, and so all the journalists try to do, go back and take a look at what fundamentally creates a game and how it influences, like Joey said, the way things move forward. Personally, I, I, I love being a kid, and you know, the, going back and popping on the NES and playing, you know, Zelda in or playing Final Fantasy the first one it it brings me back to those those points where you know you didn't have to have the the 3D graphics you imagine what was beyond that well you see the purple mountains in the background of Castlevania 2 what's out there right nothing's out there (laughs) you imagine that there could be something where you go and it was it was a way that you had something fun and really well crafted in front of you but you were able to uh, still bring your imagination. Yeah, there's something to be said about the power of abstraction. Just oh, yeah. like, I mean, I think that the power, your brain could do much more work than, you know, any sort of Unreal Engine or whatever is out there now. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, all these good points have been taken by John and Joey, but the, the more... <laughs> it's nice to be clockwise. Yeah, exactly. It's like the table scraps are getting... <laughs> I, I always maintain the more complex and more quote-unquote realistic a game is the less uh, attached you become to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be playing Call of Duty, now it's like the Madden franchise, Call of Duty 2012, and are you going to, 20 years from now, remember, wow, I was at this level and I shot a guy with a bazooka. 
Uh, are you going to remember that experience? Are you going to be attached to that experience? Or are you going to be attached to playing as a little plumber running around, jumping on guys with mushrooms that are, that are literally walking mushrooms? Like, that's a huge difference. Again, it's more like maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it's nostalgia, maybe it's a cartoonish element, but I always maintain that the more simplistic a game was, is as well. Maybe to me, it's, it's also, that's a more pure gameplay. You bring like, more yourself to it. Yeah. yeah, I think there are actually, I don't know, I can't back this up right now, but uh, <laughs> if you read uh, Understanding Comics by uh, Scott, whatever his name is, McLeod, there we go, I remembered his name. Uh, the more abstract a character is in a comic book, the more... Uh, yourself you fill into the details yeah. so i think you identify more with characters like mario or pac-man or sure. mickey mouse just think things that aren't defined you have to fill in the you know the the cracks and it's the like crannies moral shell that exists you yeah put yourself in it it's, well, it's plus the, the that again that, that's pure gameplay um if you look at games now most games nowadays are easy mm-hmm, they um, are yeah there's something to be said for a challenge like someone who's an expert at a game like donkey kong that to me is a lot more impressive than someone that say is an elite player at Halo. Yeah, because there's a lot less of them, and it's a lot more time and effort put into it. And your hand-eye coordination for something like Donkey Kong is extreme. It's almost a sport. Yes. Yeah. Um, something else about putting yourself into the character. It seems to be maybe I'm completely making this up. But it seems to be a bygone era. The at least in RPGs, the silent protagonist. That's true. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like they didn't Chrono. talk. Chrono is the most probably the most famous one. It seems that you don't find that anymore because the game developers are too busy telling the most melodramatic story they possibly can. That's Therefore, right. the main character must have soliloquies that go on for 20 minutes. And that, even um, um, even in old adventure games, when you were playing as a character, the narrator or whatever, especially in Sierra games, would say, you died or you did this. You can or, type your name in. You yeah. can type your name in. Sure. So I think like video games in the past were mainly about throwing you into the role, even if the character was defined in some sort of way. Like you were a guy with a mustache and overalls or whatever, but... I mean, you just fill in the rest of what's happening. Sorry, you're... Yeah, <laughs> it's I like, what? I, uh, what? Nothing <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what, what's left. Video games are I, fun. I, I like games. So. No, everyone hit on really good points. Um, I do agree a lot with what Joey said as far as you need to preserve the past. You need to remember your roots, where you came from, of course. But I also think all the modern technologies... Pat touched on this, too. Modern technologies kind of take away the creativity when you make a game. You have to think, back then, they had limitations on what they could make. So they, they said, okay, so what can we do with what we're given? We got to... You know, they were creative. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of that's gone now. Um, Pat did mention games are easier now. That's very true. Because, um, you know, back then, you want... Especially kids, you know, were the main target for video games. They want to get their money's worth, so they made the games like harder, mm-hmm. so they could play them longer. Um, you think Ninja Gaiden Two could come out today? Gaiden. Ah, it's, okay. uh, <laughs> Gaiden. yeah. We all learned something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that's that's really the most important thing. Good. I mean, we, I don't want to romanticize this too much. I mean, we, we all still play new games, right? Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the new SimCity that's coming out. Awesome, yeah, me too, yeah. And I was just, like, uh, you know, praising Dark Souls. I mean, can you guys name some, some newer games? Just so we don't, we're not, like, I just want to prove to the prove to the world we're not crotchety old people. Uh, Uh-oh. I, I just put in, and I regret it, well, I don't regret it, but the waste of time is uh, 40 hours on Civ 4. Oh. Sorry, Civ 5, Gods and Kings. Okay. 
Uh, wow. it, I really enjoyed it. It's just that at one point, that's the problem with Steam is that it tells you how long you're playing. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, God, I need to not be doing this anymore. And I, the rest of the world knows. So <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm afraid of playing games like Civ Five just because like, I, I love Civilization Two. I, I wasted an entire summer playing Civilization Two, so I'm, I'm afraid of playing games that just you get sucked into. just can't do it anymore. Hmm. I have a little kid at home, and at this point with a job and this site and a little kid, I honestly Stop. play only when I'm laying in bed See. with my giant... DSXL. <laughs> <laughs> I am just an insane for the Phoenix Wright series. Oh, okay. I love the Ace Attorney games. Just no, I love those games too. Games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Why uh, did they translate that last one? I, <laughs> I agree, and uh, there's it's I think it's still up in the air. I mean, that's off topic, but um, last I've heard about it. Before we go, I see somebody has Tecmo Secret of the Stars. Ah, I picked that up. Yes. Why, Joey? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's got the best cover art because it, I got I've it. seen. I got it for twenty bucks. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, I like on the back of it. I read the back of it where it says Tecmo. We're, we, you know us for sports. We're gonna try this RPG thing now. Yeah, yeah. That's like literally it what it says. Has a little it, image, it? it has a little image saying the Tecmo RPG yeah, series. <laughs> uh, can someone read that copy? Yeah. I want to. I want to know if it sounds as like. Come on, give us a chance. You know Tecmo for creating unequaled sports games. Uh-huh. We've made we made history in doing so. What you don't know is that we're making history again. <laughs> Only this time, we are playing a different role. Introducing Tecmo's first epic RPG title. Wow. Tecmo, Secret of the Stars. Sounds like, sounds like a dancing concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny is that if you look, the way that they size the font and everything, it looks like every other Tecmo game for Super I, Nintendo. I thought it was Tecmo it, Super Bowl. If you don't pay attention, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw the word Tecmo, I thought, oh, it's a sports game. <laughs> and then I swooped in and picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can forgive that. <laughs> I assume a good video will come out of it, so uh, yeah, well, that will not be a gem. It'll be uh, a, a lump of coal. Sixteen bit some subscribers. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for uh, joining me on this podcast, guys. Uh, I assume that in, in the future I will be on whatever you're putting together. Oh yeah, yeah John. Yeah, no, uh, we have a show called uh, the Video Game Years, which is, if you can imagine, is uh, I love the '80s basically, except Great. in for video games. No, yeah. Michael Ian Black, though. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's our hat. <laughs> uh, Joey's our Mo Rocca. Oh, nice. Okay. So we, uh, but yeah, so we basically go year over year, and we uh, we try to get some people that do video game reviews on the web, as well as uh, some luminaries. We've interviewed quite a few people here, like you. And, uh, hey, I'm not a luminary, but thank you. <laughs> You're a luminary. I'm not giving off that much light. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you know, Bob Mackey will be on a Episode. So it's the history, it's the culture of important games and game events that happened. Um, there's, you know, there's some comedy, there's some goofiness, but it's informative, and uh, you know, we'll try to make it accessible to most uh, yeah. most different audiences. It's a fun show. It's a fun, fun show. show. 1980 coming out pretty soon. 1980, yeah, big year, real. big year in video games. Please watch, and actually, I might as well go into plugs. Uh, you guys know the spiel. Uh, read one up. Uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to us if you haven't already. Subscribe to us on Twitter at Retronauts, uh, etc. And uh, I guess if you guys have anything personally you want to plug, or aside from the uh, Retroware TV stuff, you can yeah. go ahead. Just go to RetrowareTV.com. Yeah, I endorse them. You have my endorsement. Awesome. I support. <laughs> I support this event or product, <laughs> Joey. Uh, um, I know you have other stuff going on. That's I do. Uh, uh, well, I guess Twitter is C O T G W because the website I founded, starting this whole thing off three years ago, was Clan of the Great Wolf, which is a reference to an obscure. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's from Genghis Khan to Clan of the Great Wolf, which is uh, an obscure. Um, oh man, you you forget. <laughs> <It's an obscure laughs> like who made Aerobiz? Oh Jesus, who made Aerobiz? Toei. 
Thank you. Okay. Uh, I no, can't believe it. Oh, Koei. Koei, Koei. All the great Dynasty Warrior games. That was a huge brain fart on my part. Anyway, yeah, so that's the... So my website is clanofthegraywolf.com, G-R-A-Y, for our Canadian... Or retro notes, Canadian and British listeners. But yeah, so my... And so I have all my stuff there as well as on RetroWareTV.com. Uh, I do 16-bit gems, which is uh, reviews of, you know, kind of unappreciated 16-bit games and also the way games work, which uh, explains video game technology in, a, in yeah. an accessible way. Can you, uh, what is the name of your history of RPGs? Because that is amazing. And everyone who even cares anything about RPGs, video game RPGs, should, should definitely watch them. That's actually a... Um, that is a particular, like, long-form episode I do every once in a while. That's a particular episode of, of uh, 16-Bit Gems, number 30, okay. uh, Rise of the RPG. Yeah, I definitely recommend that one. But Thank you very much. check out the rest of Joey's videos, Clan of the Grey Wolf. Uh, John, obviously, Retroware TV. Yeah, I mean, Anything else going on? Uh, well, no. <laughs> that's, that's it. A lot of personal life, a lot of work. Why aren't you doing more things, John? Come on. Uh, I mean, I always try to push uh, uh, the video game years. I mean, it was an idea that I had a long time ago. Well, actually, VH1 had a long time ago. But we, <laughs> we, needed to, we wanted to have a good group of guys available to work on it, and we finally reached the point where we have, honestly, we think some of the best video makers ever in the, in the realm of classic the video game. I'm video. impressed <laughs> so far. And now we're here, we're doing it. And uh, so I say go to RetroTV.com. Nice. So um, I'm on RetroTV.com. I have a series called Path to NES Punk where... I review Nintendo games and accessories, not bad ones necessarily, not good ones, but ones that I loved as a kid, so I'll do a 10-minute review of Russian Attack, I'll do a 15-minute review of <laughs> Panic Restaurant, Loops, I'll, loops. I'll, I'll review Loops, I, I will get into trouble with the Dominatrix in you one of my videos, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and stuff like that, I also have this kind of quirky uh, thing called Flea Market Madness, and I kind of was the first person to, to go out and feel myself going to flea markets mm. and finding deals and giving tips about what to look for, what are good prices, how to negotiate deals, and it sort of kind of took off from there. And there's other, uh, we have the Game Chasers on our, on our website, and they are a, yeah. a very cool show. A very cool American Picker style. Nice. Um, like flea market show, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of shows. We got yeah, Eric with Let's Get. We have I'm ready for a, like, a Storage Hunter. Wars type show where someone opens a mm-hmm. unit and it's just full of Famicom full of games. games or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's what I've been doing with the sudden yeah well, so let's move on to Noel what do you got going on so uh, I do a show called The Gaming Historian it's uh, I just pick on like uh, big big events that happened in in video game history um, certain games just talk about the actual history of the game or the history of the event such as like Universal versus Nintendo lawsuit nice or I, I look at uh, obscure console like the NES2 that was only out for a year, and then that was it. Um, I was actually a history major. I taught uh, in public schools, and I decided, oh, I can use this with my videos. So You've got an interesting uh, project you're working on right now, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a uh, full-length uh, Legend of Zelda documentary. Oh, very cool. I'm covering literally every single Legend of Zelda game with commentary from people I know or please call me when you get to people. a Majora's Mask okay that will be that might be a ways away we're only on Zelda 1 right now <laughs> <laughs> but I also have a blog thegaminghistorian.com I write articles uh, every now and then as well very cool so yep. you've heard it from these guys they've all got great stuff going on especially on RetroWare.tv and for Retronauts this is Bob Mackey saying I will see you soon with a new episode later guys <laughs> <laughs>